I'm Linda Laurel, creator and host of Our Voices Matter. Why this podcast and why now? Because it's time for us all to take a deep breath and listen. I am a journalist, business owner, keynote speaker, founder of an education nonprofit, wife, mother, daughter, sister, dancer, and lover of life, and my country. And like so many of you, I am deeply distressed at the deteriorating level of discourse in our democracy. This podcast is my humble attempt to do something about it, one story at a time. It is my hope that as you listen to and watch the stories of someone you might consider to be the other, that you will somehow see a glimpse of yourself and be reminded of our common humanity. So what do you say? Let's take this journey together. This episode is sponsored by Headquarters, which also happens to be where Laurel Media offices and produces this podcast. In our humble opinion, Headquarters is the best co-working office space in Houston. It's creative, affordable, and just plain fun to work here. Headquarters, located just east of downtown Houston. I am so excited about today's guest, Samira Salman. And Samira, you really should take credit for having a piece of this podcast because you are the (laughs) one who pushed me um, probably eight, nine months ago to just do it, Linda. Just do it, you said. (laughs) Thank you. you (laughs) I'm very happy that you're doing it. I think it's wonderful. Well, I'm excited to have you here as a guest and for our audience to get to know a little bit about you. So um, I know that what you do is you you work in family office. So tell people what that is and kind of what your your day job is, what your gig is. Yeah. So um, I, I really wear two hats right now. So I work specifically for one family. And I help them make investments. And the term family office, it's, it's a relatively new term in the sense that we're just really hearing it in common vernacular. But what it is, it's an, an arrangement when a family manages their own investments in house. So when they've, it's a big successful, um, family. So like the Rockefellers have a family office and, you know, um, Bill Gates has a family office. And so what I do for this one particular family is I help them manage their investments in the private space. So we have people that do the public investments, the stock market, and I do private companies. And then I also run an advisory firm that works with a group of other families to help them make private investments also. So my area of expertise is private money into private companies. And we do everything from finding the companies, that's called um, sourcing, selecting the companies, diligencing the companies, which means, you know, we check them out, look under the hood, check out the financials. Um, we actually structure the deals and put them together. So the legal financial tax components, we help the companies grow. We'll help them with strategy. We'll help bring in management teams, support management teams. And then we also do um, some turnaround work, which after an investment is made, if the company's not uh, growing the way that we intended it to, we'll come in and we'll help figure out what's going on and write the ship. And then we also help with exit. So selling an investment, selling a company. Yeah. So how did you get into this space? You have a law degree Uh and well, you've got a bunch of degrees. So I'll I'll let you go go through all the the, the degrees. Right. Tell us, you know, what your educational background is and how you ended up getting into this line. So I, um, 
I am a corporate tax lawyer by training. So I went to law school. I got a law degree. And then I also um, have an LLM, which is a master's of law. So you go after law school to get it. I did it at night here in Houston. So I got it at uh, University of Houston. And so I practiced tax law for eight and a half years. The reason I did that is when I was young, I wanted to be like Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. So I wanted to buy and sell the companies. Okay. So when I got to law school, I got a, I started clerking, which is um, the legal term for internship, in a law firm in the corporate department because I thought that's who's structuring the deals. And I'm doing that. And this certain deal was structured a certain way. And I asked, well, why is it structured this way? And they said, well, that's really up to the tax lawyers. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went back to law school. I did some investigation and I realized, okay, this actual structures of how the deals are put together is really driven by the tax. So whether it's corporation or partnership and these kind of things. So, um, so I started practicing tax law. So I started my career here at Arthur Anderson in the mergers and acquisitions tax structuring practice. So it's exactly what it means. We structure the deals. Um, when Anderson blew up, I went to Deloitte, then KPMG, and then I was in-house at Shell Oil Company. So I worked at Shell for three years. And when I was at Shell, I was also the vice chair of the American Bar Association Energy and Environmental Taxes Committee. So I used to write tax law with Congress. And one day I woke up and I do not recommend anybody do this, but I quit my job. <laughs> I wanted to do something else. Um, being a lawyer and especially a tax lawyer is an excellent background for what I do, but I really wanted to do more. And so now I feel, I feel like I have a gift because I get to help people invest their money into projects and things that sometimes can change the face of humanity or the planet, you know? And to me, that's God's work. And because I know how to do the investment piece of it, I now also work a lot um, speaking to and mentoring women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, entrepreneurs who are trying to get funding and teaching them how to do that. Because I believe once we get that, you know, the economics right, then we'll have some of the other balance that's, that we start needing to have in this world. Wow. Okay, so much to unpack there. My goodness. Well, you're clearly an underachiever. I, you know, <laughs> I just don't know where you get this from. Um, so the whole idea of, um, working with, um, with, uh, women owned businesses, uh-huh. minority businesses, um, you're clearly very passionate about that. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing in that space. So what's interesting about it is, so I'm technically a female, right? But I don't necessarily identify that way in business. So I grew what up. What does that mean? I know. <laughs> Sounds what, so weird. Technically a female, but you don't <laughs> identify that way in business. So when most, the majority of my career, I've been one of maybe the only or sometimes one of the only women in the room. So when I'm doing a deal, I don't think, oh, I'm a woman doing a deal. I think I'm doing a deal. So I really had the privilege of learning how to do deals with the men at the table. And so now that I know how to do that, I feel a responsibility to teach others. And because I'm a female, I think, you know, other females identify with me. And it's been said to me many times, you know, we see you doing it. So now we feel we can do it too. So I feel it's, it's really been a gift. I mean, and I've had some interesting experiences. Like this happened in 2017. I was asked to moderate a panel for a conference. There were about 80 people there. It was an Africa investment conference. I walked in the room and that was the day I had chosen to wear my red jacket. 
And I walked into the room and the other 79 humans were all male and they were all in their black or gray or navy jackets. And here I am in my red jacket, like literally standing out like a sore thumb in the middle of this room. And that's really impactful for me because I realized, okay, we need this room to be at least 50-50, male, female. Um, we're adding other categories now of sex, right? It's very blended. And then we need to get the colors right too. Like we need more of a rainbow, you know? So how were you, um, received in that room? You know, I think that, um, again, this is a gift being the only female in the room. It's kind of my secret superpower. I can see how people respond and react to me. And that allows me which bucket to put them in serious business person or not so serious business person. But, you know, it's always people ask, Things like, are you used to being in rooms with only men? Or sometimes, you know, when we're at these um, business group dinners, they're like, do you often have dinner with eight men? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the answer is yes, you know, but it's the reality of the situation. And I don't, I don't see it as an issue. It's very normal and natural to me because it's how I grew up. It's all I really know. I've always worked in that environment. So it's how I work. Okay. So you, talked about growing up. So let's let's go there. Let's talk a little bit about your backstory. You were born in the Middle East in where? Well, I was technically, I was born in Louisiana, but okay. when I was born, my parents lived in the Middle East. They okay. lived in the United Arab Emirates. Okay. And so how long did you live there? So I was there for four years and then we moved to Saudi Arabia for four years. And then back to Louisiana. So I was in Louisiana for mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks when, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I was born. <laughs> Uh, when I was a bun in the other mm-hmm. born. And mm-hmm. then we were in Louisiana for a handful of years. And then my parents moved back overseas. My parents moved to Turkey. Um, my father is a civil engineer. So he was working on projects all over the Middle East, um, road and bridge design. And when my parents lived in Turkey, I went to boarding school in Switzerland. And then I went to college and law school in the U.S. But my, my family lived overseas well into my professional career. So you have a really um, unique perspective, having lived in multiple countries and different parts of the world. You can see, um, you know, how women are are treated, um, just how they interact with society, et cetera. We were talking before we started the interview about your name, Samira Salman. And I asked you, how often do people walk up, walk up to you and say, what is that? Or what are you? Yeah. Yeah. What is that um, like? People very often ask at least a couple of times a week. I'm asked about the origin of my name. It usually comes with a compliment, which is lovely. They say, that's such a pretty name. Where is it from? And mm-hmm. so I answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also asked about my ethnic origin a lot because some be- they can't place me. They're like, well, she looks kind of white, but isn't exactly white. And is with that name, is she... You know, so I'm happy to answer the question. How do you answer the question? Well, the, I mean, my name is Lebanese. My father's Lebanese from Lebanon. So I have an Arabic name, but Samira is also um, a big name in India as well. So it's from that part of the world. Um, the funny experience I'm having these days. So when I grew up, I literally was the only Samira I knew. But I went to a performance in Brooklyn two weeks ago and they were calling my name on the list. Like we were checking in and they said my name and this beautiful little girl next to me, she's young, said, my name's Samira too. So people are starting to name their children Samira, which is kind of awesome. Um, but I loved having a unique name. I loved having the only name, like nobody else, you know, had that name. 
And then my mother is of Sicilian, French, and Irish origin. So usually when I tell people I'm Lebanese, Sicilian, French, and Irish, I get very interesting reactions. But <laughs> at this point, I'm like, you've been it's warned. Like, like, it's like, okay. I come with a warning label. <laughs> Whatever, okay? Because yeah. you're, you're a citizen of the world. Yeah. Yeah. You're a citizen of the world. So um, I'm curious as to, um, you know, we've, we've had conversations about kind of where we are as a nation right now and the political discourse that's going on. And there's a lot of division and contentious um, interaction between people of differing points of view mm. and people expressing, you know, how they feel about someone they might consider to be the other. Mm. So I want to ask you um, to share with us um, any stories that you might have um, where you felt that way. And also, I want to know if you've noticed any changes or differences um, as you go about your life over the last couple of years. Mm, very interesting. So I think one of the most powerful experiences for me, so I spoke at a conference here in Houston and a woman came up to me and she says, I spoke about raising funding and how to raise funding. And she said, I need you to speak at my conference. You have to give this speech at my conference. I host my own conference. I'm like, okay. And she said, it's called Black Women Talk Tech. And I said, awesome. I said, I'd love to. I said, but I'm not black. <laughs> and she was like, I know, I know. She goes, we're going to make an exception. I'm like, okay, got it. I said, well, if you want me to speak, you also have to have my friend Denise Hamilton, who I think has been a guest on your show. She has. I said, Denise is a friend. She's a colleague. I'm on her board. And I was like, she's a powerful speaker. And I said, and she's also black. So she meets your criteria. So Denise and I um, went to this conference that was hosted at Microsoft in Manhattan. And when we walked in the room, there were about 300 black females in that room and me. And I turned to Denise and Denise is a very good friend. And we, we talk about many, many things. I turned to her. My eyes were huge. And I said, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to be you. And the irony of the situation is I've been the only female in the room many times right. and it didn't phase me. But for some reason, this was such a contrast, even though I was the only person. So it, it really has, I've tried to weave this really through how I approach everything because, you know, I travel all over the world and I'm in different rooms, but to understand what it feels like when you're not feeling comfortable in the room. So I've had a little heightened awareness of that lately because I also, I moderated a panel for a group of Tunisian women. And when they came in, they were each introducing themselves to me. It was a small little group and um, it was actually sponsored by the Bush Foundation Women Initiative. And they had this group of women in and these women come in and they're shaking my hand. And I'm saying my name's Samira. I'm Samira Salman, you know, it's an Arabic name. Mm -hmm. And each one of them, their faces start lighting up when I shook their hand. And by the fourth one, she said to me, Ben Wayne, which means from where in Arabic. Now, I don't speak a lot of Arab, but I know that one. I said, well, I'm from Louisiana. I said, but my father's Lebanese. And that shifted the whole dynamic because now they looked at me as one of them. Mm. Not, And we had the most real, intense, like sleeves rolled up discussion um, at this gorgeous conference table in Times Square between Tunisian businesswomen and American businesswomen. And at the end of it, they came up to me and they said, now that we see an Arab woman doing it, we can do it too. So I'm trying to have a heightened awareness of 
you know, people identify with different things and to really understand that and not just come with the same way each time, but understand, you know, what's important to you and what do you need to feel safe and comfortable in this business environment? Because not everybody needs the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you, you, you go at it now sort of looking at what it would be like to be that person. Right. What, right. what are that, what, what does it take for that person to feel comfortable in the room? And how can I, mm-hmm. how can I help them achieve their, their goals? Right. right. Because, you know, a lot of business is people and people interactions. And I'm also really learning and um, discussing with people. So I'm super comfortable in a room with investors because it's where I live. But that, that intimidates people. Some people, if they're not used to it, and especially some women that walk into a room and there's four men sitting there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning to like add that little extra layer and not just make an assumption that everybody's going to walk in and be comfortable like I am. Why do you think you had a different reaction walking into that room with Denise and you were the only non-black female there versus you being the only female in a room full of men? I really think it's because I don't identify myself as a female when I'm in the room with men. I I see myself as one of them. Like I'm in there doing the business just like they are, Hmm. Um, which is, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, But it gave me a whole new level of compassion. Like that was, I can still feel it. That was a very powerful, when I walked in that room and I looked at Denise and I said, this is what it feels like to be you. And it was very powerful. What did she say? She just, she received it. She, yeah. she's like, she got that I got that yeah. she got, you know, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. If only, yeah. if only all of us could have that experience, you know, to, it was a gift. Yeah. 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 So, um, what's, what's next on your plate? What ah. are you, what are you moving toward now? You've got such an interesting and varied background and, um, um, well, actually, before we go there, I want okay. to ask you, I want yeah. to get back to my other question, which is how you feel about moving in the world over the last couple of years in terms of it, within the context of what's going on. Um, unfortunately, I think that we are going a little bit backwards in certain areas. Okay. I think that um, in general, the silos and the more silos and factions, it's making us not be able to move forward. And I even think within the women's movement, you know, not all the women are on the same page. And I think that that's really hurting us. And I, I hope that there's a way that people understand it's not about male, female, black, white, you know, Christian, Jewish, what it's about humanity and humans. And we're all humans. And, you know, we're humans with certain traits that we can change, certain we can't. And, you know, I've been blessed enough to literally live all over the world, travel everywhere, you know, see all kinds of different things. And it's a gift. It's like a joy that you get this rich experience. And I feel that people who are siloed, I feel like you're getting a little bit more siloed or they're getting a little more articulate about being siloed. They're missing out on life, you know? And all the beautiful opportunities that have, that come from it. Um, one of the things that's in business, when you underestimate somebody, you're losing the experience of interacting with them, you know? And there's a lot of situations where you see somebody and, you know, maybe they were the copy girl today and tomorrow they're the CEO. And, and so I hope that 
as humanity and as people, we figure out a way to be more loving and tolerant of each other. Have you noticed as you travel around the world, are, are um, people in other countries having different conversations about America and Americans? Yes. yes. What, yes. how have those conversations changed? What are they like now versus what they were before? So years ago, you know, living in America, moving to America, being in America was a goal of many people in other nations. It was the, you know, the promised land. And I think there are people now that are like, no, no, we're good. We're going to stay here in our own country. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that um, a little bit of the sparkle of America has uh, faded in the international community's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think that life is cyclical, the economy is cyclical, the Roman Empire did fall. You know, you can't get too big for your britches. You always have to remember where you came from. And this situation is interesting. I'm watching as it plays out. Yeah, it is interesting. And day by day, it does. Okay, so now what is next for Samira? And it's Sal, is it Salman? I think I pronounced it incorrectly. So the the Salman or Arab, Salman? the correct or? is Salman, but Salman. everybody calls me Samira Salman. Okay. That's what I even say. Okay. But yeah, if you're going to pronounce it, like my dad says Salman, but everybody else says Salman, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, they all work there. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's next? So, you know, my, why I'm here is to help really great projects get funded. That's what I'm good at. So my ask is that, you know, I, be sent by God, universe, whoever, really great projects and teams to get funding that are doing things that change humanity. You know, we want to cure cancer. We want to eradicate HIV. We want to get rid of diabetes, Alzheimer's. I mean, health is a big, important part. We also want to have, you know, clean, healthy, fresh food and water for everybody on the planet. Um, We want every child to be able to be educated, you know. So companies and projects that are making the planet a better place um, and that are involved, like the family office I work with, we're doing a lot of sustainable technology investments and recycling tires and providing food. And, you know, these are like things that change people's lives. So I hope that I continue to get really great projects with great management teams and, you know, build the investor network that I already have to people who are interested in these things. How rewarding to have this as a career where you literally can, first of all, work with people who um, are fortunate enough to have the financial means to do something like yeah. this, but then also have the heart and the desire yeah. to do it because not everyone who has the means has the desire. Correct. So to be able to tap into those people and then use your very unique and specific set of skills yeah. to further that for the good of humanity. Oh my gosh. That, yeah, that it's must really be so amazing. For me, it's extremely inspiring to work with these families because the majority of them don't have to do an ounce of work ever. But some of them work so hard. They travel the planet, they scour the globe for these deals, they work long hours because they so um, you know, fervently believe in the mission and that and it's inspiring, you know? It's very very inspiring for me. If there were one thing that you would want to leave our audience with today in terms of um, just your perspective on the world and, and where we are right now, what, what would that be? 
I would say to everybody to approach more with love in business, in your personal life, in everything. Like we're all human. And one of my coaches says, you're not Mother Teresa or Gandhi, Samira. Like you're going to have your moments. But, um, the, you know, if you can get 80 to 90% love, I think you're doing well. So we should all just pause, be a little gentle with ourselves and each other and understand where, you know, people are coming from. And, you know, one of um, the partners I work with, he always says a bad person will kill a good deal anytime. And what my goal is, is to kind of, you know, try and be patient to get everybody kind of working together. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody's struggling a little bit with the situation or they're showing up, just understand it's their own insecurities, their own, you know, and if we can try and, you know, approach them with kindness and love and not combativeness, then maybe we can get some of these projects. I mean, I've I've had to walk away from stuff because we couldn't get the team in cohesion and that's what I just really wish we would all work together a little more to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Across the board, across the board. Yeah. Oh, I could not agree with you more. And you just articulated it so beautifully. And um, what a pleasure to to hear more in depth about the, the great work that you and the families that you represent are doing to help make this literally a better world for all of us. So thank you so much. And thank you all for taking the time to listen to our guest today, Samira Salman, Mm -hmm. and, um, and for listening with an open mind. So we will see you next time. If the mission of Our Voices Matter resonates with you, please like, subscribe, download, and share, and then join the conversation because it really is going to take all of us to make a difference.